0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash
2: thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jason Pickle. He is co-founder of Volunteer Botanicals. We're going to talk to him about what they're doing in the space of creating new products, understanding really how do we work with the plant and create kind of the elements of the plant that we can use in different processes, creating different products. I think one of the interesting things about the cannabis space these days is we're kind of moving away from or at least adding to the kind of the world of cannabis products from just kind of raw flour and kind of immediately derivital products to really thinking about this as a suite of tools, suite of ingredients that we can add in different ways to different things. And it's really kind of creating um, a growing, <laughs> pun intended, you know, growing space of cannabis products and how they get used and, and ultimately who uses them. I think that's the other big thing that's interesting and, and certainly we'll talk about today is kind of the growing cannabis population, market segments, how and where people are, are applying cannabis in different po- products and different product formulations. So I'm excited for the conversation. With that, Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk to your uh, your crew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's, uh, before we kind of dig into the work that you're doing, let's get a little bit of the background. How um, professionally, what were you doing before this? How did you get into cannabis? Tell us the story.
3: Like everyone else, we all started in a different world. I have uh, been in real estate, I'd say for about 15 years before I dovetailed over to the cannabis space. Um, Many of those years were overlapping businesses. Born and raised in Tennessee, uh, not a very cannabis-friendly state. Uh, After college, I moved out to Northern California and got my first real crash course into a state that is very pro-cannabis and pro-marijuana. And through this process, was able to see that this plant is something that we shouldn't be afraid of. It offers a lot of hope and a lot of potential in healing. I had a lot of firsthand direct experiences through friends in Northern California who cultivated the plant, people who consumed those products and oils, and it it just really... It was one of those things, those light bulbs that many of us in this industry go through of, wow, what a what a terrible story that we've all been fed over the years uh, with, so, with such a beautiful, powerful plant with so much potential. Uh-huh. So through that process, that kind of shifted my thinking. I cultivated the plant, uh, had a nice large property that raised animals and a huge garden and a few medical uh, marijuana plants. And it just, it helped me to understand that we, we have a lot of potential here sitting on the sidelines and cannabinoids and cannabinoid therapy is, is going to be a, a very common thing as we move forward. Uh, it's helping more people than ever. And um, shortly thereafter, leaving California, I moved to Colorado. So I got to see what happens when an industry truly does open up and embrace the plant. And through many discussions, many contacts that I made along the way and my own personal journey, two of my other business partners were also kind of experiencing their own, their own, I think, awakening to this as well. And um, yeah, and it brought us kind of full circle to say, let's take what we've learned in all of these different pro-cannabis states, bring it back to the state of Tennessee, shed some light on a very ag-heavy state that has a lot of potential and see what we can help to build
2: from the ground up in this beautiful state that's just ready for this plant. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, there's you know lots of different ways that you can evolve in cannabis. You know, even if you know plant touching, there's lots of different factors. How did you kind of pick the part of the chain or the part of the industry you were going to focus on and, and why focus on that area?
3: Yeah, great question. And really what it boils down to is, I think, a little bit of luck. Our CEO, Derek Odette, worked, he's been in the CBD side, the, the massive uh, bulk ingredient sector, both for buying and selling CBD when isolate was running 20 plus thousand a kilo yeah. and, um, and then working with formulators and scientists that were barely dipping their toe into this five or six years ago. So through that process, as I was in California, Derek was in Arizona uh, working with isodile and met a lot of really dynamic people who were also very curious on what this molecule was doing for people. What we ended up finding is a gentleman who had spent his years in the pharma industry, working with making low soluble mediums much more bioavailable to the body, and easier to consume. So he worked with companies like Johnson & Johnson, Mitsubishi, and he was doing his own personal experiences of how can we convert these oils into potential deliverables that are gonna be much more effective for the body and, and much easier to consume than throwing oil under your tongue. Yeah. And uh, that kind of led us to some of his formulations that we were testing. We were all kind of in R&D mode at that point. And we were moving with Derek being in the CBD space with Isodiol and um, our CSO working uh, from the pharmaceutical perspective, we were beginning to kind of put these formulations in front of people, people that were having severe issues, Tourette syndromes, brain cancers, those things that the typical oil-based products weren't even putting a dent in. And what we were finding were these formulations worked. And yeah. the light bulb went off that, oh, okay, it's it's not all the same. Uh, different ways to look at it, like you mentioned, provides different opportunities to reach more customers and to treat this plant more like a medicine. And that that light bulb and those firsthand experiences said, this is worth our time. We believe that this is the future of the space. Now, we didn't think it would take five years for people to, to look at it that way, but But, you know, I think uh, the over influx of, of inventory and extract sitting on the market, new minor and rare cannabinoids and COVID really got people saying, oh, my God, what are we doing? Well, let's let's take this plant a little bit further.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, tell us a little bit about why this is difficult, or, or why this, um, you know, getting this to be into a product that you can consume, other than you know putting a tincture under your tongue. Like, give us a little bit of the the science or the issues when it comes to how you process the plant, what comes out of the plant, and and how you get it into products in different formats.
3: Yeah, and that's a great question, and I think the difficulty that comes into it. Anybody that's worked truly directly worked with these plants or extracts knows you could grow a field of cherry wine hemp, and the plant on the northwest corner is different than the one on the southeast corner, even though they're the same strain. And, you know, if you extrapolate that all the way through into the extraction side of things, it's very difficult to get consistent products, consistent extract, consistent dosing. And and I think that's okay on the supplement side of things. But if we're going to call this plant a medicine, which I think we're all pushing towards, we're beginning to realize that there needs to be some more touches on this plant. And those touches will allow, I think, for uh, a couple of different things. What we've seen in the last six months through our through our research is, is really moving towards form factors that are friendly, form factors that we can hit very specific ratios, not just of CBD, but even int- reintroduction of other cannabinoids. We're also getting a lot of requests to reintroduce other supplements and other nutraceutical products to these to make them even more dynamic. So, There's quite a hurdle moving from an oil to a phase that will allow you to do that. And um, with our background in the pharmaceutical space with our CSO, It's really allowed us to look at precise dosing, to move these formats into a medium that can be used for high-speed manufacturing, both tableting and encapsulation. And then, like I said, the opportunity for truly reintroducing cannabinoids at very specific ratios that can be replicated over and over and over. And that's what I think the industry is is really wanting and really needing. And it's really impossible to do it in oil-phase
2: products. Yeah. Now, is this sort of technology and processes that the, the pharmaceutical industry has figured out long ago and we just needed to apply? Or is there something fundamentally different about cannabis or the way cannabis is produced that, you know, means there's still kind of unknown processes in here that we need to figure out as a cannabis industry?
3: Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of both. That's a great question. I think it's a little bit of both. Is what we're doing, what Volunteer Botanicals is specifically doing, is we're merging. The understanding and research on specific processes that come out of the pharmaceuticals place and applying those to cannabis extracts the trouble we run into is if we apply it to a crude oil if that oil was created using ethanol extraction or co2 extraction it's a tweaked process it's not the same process if we're moving into a distillate oil and we need to convert that material into a flowable powder that distillate, depending on how it was processed, its quality and clarity, there's tweaks to it. And same with isolates, same with terpenes, you know. And so what we're doing is we're, we're kind of learning in real time. We've been doing this process with the cannabis plant for about five years, focusing really heavily on the hemp plant and other cannabinoids for the last two years, and what we're realizing is we're getting really good at this. For example, you know, converting a crude oil into a flowable powder was impossible as far as we were concerned a year ago. And now we're doing it on the fly. We know the tweaks that need to be done. So it's kind of a neat thing. It's, it's it's working within the agriculture industry but applying pharmaceutical practices in a way that creates new processes on how to work with the plant and it's as we know depending on how it's farmed and depending on how extracted it's extracted we're going to have a different throughput and that's makes it challenging for us but you know that's just that's what needs to happen somebody's got to put their foot down and say that you know yes it's worth the work and and now Bruce we've come to a point where we're getting minor cannabinoids and they're coming into us and this is a whole new chapter they're wildly different and some are crazy sticky and have all these new new processes to them that we're again having to relearn on the fly but we're getting good at it and we're taking what we've learned from the other extracts to to either either tweak a process or tweak an ingredient and um and we think we've really kind of cracked the code on this thing so we've currently formulated about nine different cannabinoids and uh in, in, in a variety of forms from crude isolates distillates and and multiple terpenes probably 30 or 40 different terpenes so um, yeah, it's really interesting, but it is. I think it's a mix of both. I think it's a mix of the ag industry coupled with the uh, the information and research of what's already been
2: accomplished on the pharmaceutical side. Yeah, and and so tell us a little more specifically about where where you pick up and where you hand off in terms of this production process. So uh, what is it that you receive? I mean, I guess what's what's the start of your process? Like when you get involved, and what are you producing, and who you handing it off to, and then kind of what are they doing with it? You know, we call ourselves an intermediate manufacturer of
3: cannabinoids in terms So basically, we take those... Extracts, and we often get them from. We work a lot with farmers and extractors that are looking to continue to diversify what they're offering, and so we'll pick up when they're done. So, depending on what the objective is on the input, we work with them on the throughput. So, I would say 60 to 70 percent of our business, people already have their own extracts, and we're tolling this service. Now, our service could be as simple as converting to a flowable powder or a water miscible powder that's going to go into a food or beverage or even a, a liquid water soluble. We have all three of those conversions. We do pretty well, but it's really dependent on where this product is going. And one thing that we're real excited about that we offer is the opportunity to kind of work in a strategic role to complete the supply chain. So on one side, like I mentioned, we've got the, the actual producers of the extract. And on the opposite side, we have somebody that wants a specific product or specific deliverable. So quite often we get approached from one or the other side. If we're working with extractors, we work to what they need or what their objective is. If we're working with someone who wants a product, we will actually go source that extract and uh, through our trusted partners, uh, and then specifically formulate the throughput to what they need. Now, some folks need them in raw ingredients. And you mentioned ingredients. We believe that the cannabinoids moving forward will turn into ingredients. They won't necessarily be a one size fits all. It's only that because that's what the tech is only allowing currently. But we see this truly turning into all cannabinoids and terpenes. Once we understand them, even more will become an ingredient the way acetaminophen is an ingredient. So we have the opportunity to do those conversions in bulk and turn those bulk materials back over or move the materials back over or move them over into contract manufacturing. And is it is the exact medium a co-packer or a contract manufacturer would need. We've talked to a lot of contract manufacturers who are working, barely putting their toe into the cannabinoid space because everything in their warehouse is powders. So, oh, interesting. you know yeah. what I mean? So it's difficult. Most of them, if they're doing anything, they're doing a tincture or they're doing a gel cap. But the few that we've mentioned said, holy cow, you're the missing piece. If we can now get these powders in, in a consistent percentage, in a consistent quality, consistent particle size, That'll allow us to dump the powder into the hopper, regardless of the cannabinoid, and they don't have to change any of their manufacturing
2: systems. Yeah, so you really you kind of plug into the existing manufacturing systems and then make this whole process much easier.
3: We do. And our CSO up in Pennsylvania, our sister site, has uh, four tablet presses. Like I said, he comes from the pharma world, worked with Johnson & Johnson and Mitsubishi and a few others, working with tableting, tablet coding, that sort of thing. So he's got four presses up in Pennsylvania in his facility. So we can press pills, we can press oral dissolving, tablets chewable tablets instant release caplets various capsule formulations whether it's a straight fill or a combo capsule like i mentioned before mixed with other cannabinoids or nutraceuticals so we can take you to a finished product or we can actually uh, just turn it back over in a finished as as a finished intermediate
2: yeah and you mentioned this consistency you you kind of listed off a couple of things that you look for when you look for consistency just walk us through what you're providing or the consistency that you're trying to get to in in terms of the the powders that you're creating at the end of the day
3: you know the consistency like i like i mentioned earlier it's difficult because what we're beginning to see through the wildly different extracts that are coming through to us, we that particular process needs to be tweaked each time. We offer a hundred gram sample run for anybody that wants to run with us. So we put their extract through our process at hundred grams for free, make sure that we fully understand all of the, the moving parts to their extract and that we can achieve what we're trying to achieve together. And then we bring the extract in and we formulate to a very specific number based on that objective. So I think the one of the biggest things that I'm beginning to to see with consistency is, you know, we have a really dynamic process on the front end. It's a, it's kind of a spreadsheet form that we use where we input the client COA into it, knowing what the oil load is, what the objective is, if THC is a factor in that, what sort of dilution needs to happen to get it to be a compliant product. And then we build our system based on what that spreadsheet shows us on the throughput. And uh, we're getting really good at it and we're hitting it almost, I mean, we can shoot, we just formulated a capsule that had a a 0.28 THC on it. So we feel like we're really driving and dialing in each facet of this process to hit the consistent numbers that people really need over and over and over, whether that consistency is based on a cannabinoid count or based on a specific percentage or oil load. If someone's taking that ingredient in in bulk, say at, say a co-packer, they know what they want based on what their manufacturing process will allow. So then the consistency might change away from what we're looking at at THC you know, focused and might move specifically to the type of capsule encapsulation system they're using or tablet presses that they're using.
2: Yeah. Talk to me about this this whole kind of bioavailability thing, because I think that's the other thing that everyone's kind of focused on is, yeah, we can, you know, we, we can put the different molecules in there, but if they don't actually get absorbed and become available to the system, like we're not going to have the effect or, or variations, in that can be a, you know, a non-trivial problem for users how do we or how do you impact this kind of bioavailability aspect of these products you know and that's a good question and a difficult question we haven't
3: done any specific bioavailability studies everything that we know up to this point is anecdotal and we what i'd say within the past 4 months due to different doctors that we're working with different universities that we're looking at uh, doing studies with they're very impressed with our, our mediums, and they are now reaching out to us to begin this process. Uh, we've got a local university here in Tennessee that we're going to do a metabolomic study to show how the cannabinoids work their way through the body with different endocannabinoid markers. Uh, their goal here is, within this, this human study, is their first part of the of the goal is to test how the THC moves through the body, and how to potentially show and prove that a full-spectrum hemp product is not a marijuana product, and how people potentially in the military or in government jobs are losing their jobs because they're taking a legal CBD product. So, and we've got another group that's actually, uh, we're forming right now a full medical advisory team um, with a doctor that has about 80 to 100, about 85 published studies with pediatrics and adults with developmental disabilities. He has a lot of firsthand experience with cannabinoids as therapy that are working. And I think we're gonna take him on full time in the next year to, to pump out as many of these studies as we can. So what I, what I can tell you is our flowable powder was designed to become released in an acidic vi- environment and it does, not, uh, it does not get eaten up by the gut, it becomes uh, bioavailable and active very quickly. Do I have a data to one way or the other to show you that? I don't. No. I do know that that term, and you know this, Bruce, bioavailability gets thrown around a ton. We avoid it because I don't have data and everything we believe in is data driven, but we're putting the pieces together because we understand that if this becomes a viable ingredient and we can move it into mass production if we've got anything behind it that that shows a hey, even that it works which we already know that it works it works better than oil-based products we already know that but the proof behind it then we think we're, we're on track to really uh being a, a a nice ingredient provider for folks that see the value and 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 how versatile these mediums can be
2: yeah. And how are people using, or what, what products are people ultimately creating with these components? You know, once once you think of it as an ingredient, obviously, you know, the sky's kind of the limit in terms of what you can start putting these things in. What are you seeing in terms of applications or products that are being developed?
3: You know, I'll go back. We all know water-soluble, both liquid and powders are perfect for uh, food and beverage application, for encapsulation, those sorts of things. I like to focus on our flowable powders because they're just a little bit different. The flowable powder medium what we like to look at it as and and the potential that it has to offer is a big bang for a low buck. And what I mean by that is due to our conversion process and the particle size, At the end of the day once we have the throughput we can fit a ton of milligrams into a very very small space so it opens up the potential for much more heavy medical doses and still small delivery methods we can get about 50 megs into a size 3 capsule that size 3 is about the size of a benadryl a size 1 capsule which is still much smaller than the supplement size we can get full spectrum up to about 125 130 milligrams wow yeah if we went into supplements supplement zeros, double zeros, we're probably easily over 250. And that's full spectrum. That's not an isolate-based product. Yeah. So that, you know, that's intriguing. Uh, We believe that that will potentially usher in these more medical-level doses, but we do understand that that's not the objective today. The objective today is how can we combine these things together? Knowing that we can get maximum potency in a small space, it allows us headroom. So capsules now can move away from gel caps that may not have the best bioavailability or the best You know, I mean, I'll be honest with you, if we're going to take an oil, put the oil under your tongue. I'm not sure gel caps are the best way to consume that oil, even though, you know, it's a very common deliverable. I think it's common because it's easy. So um, as we move forward, uh, we're able to really look at this in a new way. Just to give you an example, we're running a, uh, a capsule right now just for the sake of prototype, just to sample it out. And it's going to be an immunity wellness capsule. We think it's very timely. And our goal with this capsule is let's see what we can get in this thing, knowing how much space we have in a size one cap. And uh, this guy, we're looking at 20 megs of CBG, 20 megs of CBD, 60 megs of B12, 20 megs of B6, 20 megs of zinc, 90 megs of vitamin C, 5 megs of bioprin, which is a black pepper extract that increases bioavailability. And then we're probably put eight to 10 terpenes, powderized terpenes back in and we can fit all of that into a size one. Wow. When you think about that, Bruce, you know I feel like that's the sky's the limit when you have that kind of flexibility of what you can add to the cannabinoids or how you can reintroduce other cannabinoids back in. So on a capsule side of things, all we're dealing with is a shell and that shell is flexible, right? We can go down to a really, really small shell or even bigger shell and and then you can see how cannabinoids can be reconstituted back together, truly in an ingredient fashion Added to a myriad of other things that are focused in one direction, and we see that dynamic uh, play being a real big part of the industry. And then, lastly, is is press tablets, right? So. These flowable powders will allow us to press over 50 megs into a caplet size instant release tablet. And caplet size is, again, is between a two and a three, very small. If we go up to the big ones, again, we can get get as as big as we need to get. Chewable tablets, we believe, will be the way of the future and would potentially replace gummies. Our chewable tablets are all pharmaceutical grade ingredients. So it's not just a pressed blank with cannabinoids in it. And then third being our oral dissolving tablets. And these are guys are about half the size of a tic-tac and they melt on your tongue. And we're getting a lot of people enter DTs because they don't ever touch the gut at all. I mean, same way with the chewable, but but especially that ODT melting on your tongue or sublingually. And we're looking at those as ways to integrate minor cannabinoids back in, in small booster doses. You know, you can get five megs, 10 megs of CBN or CBC that might accompany your regimen. And, um, and then adding in small little add-ons like, uh, we ran one for a client that was just a 10 meg CBD ODT that had, uh, four megs of melatonin. And it was just a a nice nighttime tongue melt, and uh, due to the bioavailability of that, not hitting the gut, man, it's potent, even at 10 megs and 4 megs of melatonin. So, you know, I look at it as the sky's the limit. Those are things that we've done, we know we can do. But what we really like to work with clients that have their own fingerprint and their own ideas on how they want to integrate now that we can you, turn this into an ingredient and move it into a finished good. And that's, yeah. that's exciting because now, Bruce, I don't have to sell you anything. You come to me and say, Jason, hey, I'm looking at making a whole capsule line, and, but I don't want just cannabinoid capsules. I want you know, one for sleep and I want one for energy and I want one that might be tailored to older folks, you know, and we can do that. We can actually work with you and, and both put our fingerprints on it to make a very unique and specific product that tailors directly to your customer's needs. And that's yeah. the benefit of how cannabinoids can supplement some of these other therapies.
2: You mentioned kind of onset with some of these. How do you deal with kind of time release and stuff like that? Are you able to kind of create more of a, a profile to the experience or a profile to the, to the effect?
3: Absolutely. And I think that's that's the ultimate goal, creating those profiles that we know is a specific objective of what that client and or customer wants. Mm -hmm. And to add to that, we just invested into a tablet coding machine. Like I said, our CSOs, that's his world, and he's real excited about the idea of coding some of these tablets and tarot coding for modified or sustained release. How now we can move these capsules or these tablets out of the gut into different parts of the body protected so cannabinoids can be released downstream rather than in the gut we haven't actually started coding them but the machine is is up and primed and ready to go and we're looking at Different modified release options, um, first quarter of 2021. Again, it's all happening fast and moving in real time, but we see a lot of opportunity there because of what the stomach can do to cannabinoids and, and medicine. It
2: just can eat it alive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious as you approach the market and kind of deal with kind of logistics and stuff like that. So um, so you're based in Tennessee, how do you deal with the kind of complexity of the legal kind of parameters that you can operate within and working with companies in different states I mean how, how are you operationally kind of approaching this given the fact that you know in, in some cases it sounds like you're working with THC level products is is, is operationally how do you
3: deal with that <laughs> yeah in- uh, I mean, you know, we have to turn down a lot of extracts. I think that's the reality of it. Uh, we work with a lot of compliant products. We work with a lot of tea free products uh, here in the state. Uh, we work with crudes and things that are hot, but we turn them into a, a compliant product. So and we're an, we're a non THC state. And let's be real. Uh, Tennessee is, is <laughs> isn't, you know, we're we like our Delta nine. You know, that's where we that's one of the the footprints that we actually do have is we're not a total tea, at least until everything changes again. But um you know, it it is a, a difficult thing that we quite often have to turn down business or talk to a customer on safe ways to to move product if they're in a neighboring state and just things like that. It's it's one of the many challenges that I wish our industry could figure out and our legislators give us a clear path to work within. It's you know, we lose a lot of
2: business that way, I think is the simplest way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a challenge for most companies. Are there particular regulations, Or you know, g- given that we're, we're kind of in between on a bunch of things right now, right? We have the, you know, the, the farm bill has been passed, but, you know, we're still kind of dealing with some uncertainty on mon- what the regulatory environment is going to be. What, what do you think... Would really help the industry in terms of, you know, if I gave you like a magic wand and you were to change one or two things about the world that we're in right now, like what would you change and why? Like what would really help the industry, you know, evolve from your point of view? I think the simplest
3: answer to that is a clear path from the FDA. We are contacted, we're working probably with. I don't know, I would say eight different companies right now that are not in the hemp and cannabinoid space. And they're putting their toe in the water. Some of them are saying, hey, as soon as we get the green light and some clear path, we're ready to go. We're going to pull the trigger. And some of those customers we've been working with for nine, 10 months. And we're in R&D phases with a lot of them. Some of them are a little bit more... um, Let's make sure I use the right word here. They've got a little bit more guts. <laughs> I will say. Yeah. And they're they're saying, you know, we yeah. we know it's happening. We're gonna go ahead and get ahead of the ahead of the curve and, and when it happens, we're gonna be ready. So yeah. You know, I think for the 80% of the consumers that are ready for cannabinoids that aren't the cottage cannabinoid industry that we've currently experienced, they need a clear guidance. My mom needs a clear guidance. The companies that my mom would buy products from need clear guidance. And without that from a regulatory body, we're all just out here trying our best. And as we know how many times these rules and regulations change on the fly, it's um I would have expected it to go for us to be in business as long as we have. I would have expected a clear path by now. And um, unfortunately, I think it's more convoluted than ever.
2: Yeah. And given the drama that we're in, yeah. <laughs> maybe a
3: little while before the
2: right. result. I know. I know. So
3: I think that's the biggest caveat that we're all waiting for. You know, yeah. a lot of the people in Tennessee are – God bless them. I mean, they're they're farmers, they're purists, and they want everyone to keep their hands out of it. But for it to move past where we are now, we need a clear path. And I think if we have that, we can make our adjustments as a company processes in, into place. And then overnight, we're going to have an influx of new consumers that want cannabinoids in their products that will begin to initiate the supply chain. Again, it will move extracts, it will move biomass, One of our customers, I mean, they're so big, they're in 10 different countries. And the way that they want to apply cannabinoids into their business model, it blew my mind. I mean, they don't care anything about it other than what they do. They know a specific cannabinoid will work well, but they're not going to do anything until they get the green light. So, you know, we're 10 months in with them. We've done a lot of R&D. We've spent a lot of our own money. We got them exactly what they want and they're ready to go but now it's hurry up and wait. Just waiting at the starting line. Yeah. yeah.
2: Jason, this is my pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about volunteer botanicals, what's the best way to get that information?
3: Jump on our website, volunteerbotanicals.com. We've got some really cool conversion videos up there to show people what the throughput looks like when you take a crude and actually turn it into a flowable powder. Uh, We've got a great company catalog up that shows our vision for the future, how we believe uh, the industry is going to evolve and how cannabinoids and terpenes will become everyday ingredients for, for all consumers. In my direct email, and feel free to reach out anytime, it's jason at volunteerbotanicals.com. We're happy to answer questions. We speak, we have these conversations like we're having with so many different clients every day. People are curious about what we're doing. And luckily we're, we're helping a lot of folks. You know, we're not selling them anything. We're providing a service that allows them to reach more customers. And it's a small part of the supply chain, but a very critical piece. So thank you for allowing me to come on and speak a little bit about what we're doing uh, without folks like you that are out here trying to tell the truth as well. We're all just, again, doing our best. And um, thanks for being a sounding board for the industry. Uh, I know you're got you you're very busy and you're doing a lot of stuff. And it, it, from someone like us who's just in the trenches every day, I appreciate the opportunity to, to have a voice and, and speak truth. And I appreciate you allowing me to do such.
2: Thank you. It's, it's, it's my pleasure to have you on. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'll make sure that all the information is in the show notes, including the links, email, so people can get a hold of you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Bruce. Take care.